All right. So um, are you, your spirit is lifted, right? You feel, you feel elevated since you've been in here? I know I do. Um, I have loved the series just like you. Jay always has, and, and Tracy always had the best ideas, and I always tease him whenever at, at the end of the series. I said, man, that was a great series. Glad I thought of it. You know, it's always uh, his idea. And uh, I, I just was so moved. I, I can't get enough of those stories, and uh, every one of us has a story. And uh, we're going to share just for the next few minutes about our plan coming up toward April 1st. Does anybody know what's happening on April 1st? Easter. Yes. I love that. Robust, emphatic. Nobody uttered that other thing that happens on April 1st, so that's good. We, we had a spiritual group. I have to tell you, it was so cool having people share about Mary Bean, and uh, she is such a great part of our family, and it's funny, you know, I'll see her at midweek, or I'll see her on Sunday, and I'll see her looking like if she's got something to share with me, I can see her. You know how those people, you can feel your, your antenna go up, and she's looking, and she comes over, Kevin, I just want to tell you I love this church, and you're doing well. I remember last, last year, she's like, you know, if we studied the Holy Spirit a little more, we would be able to get fed from inside, and then you wouldn't have to bug us about doing stuff from the outside because we'd be motivated from the inside. So you might want to study about the third person of God. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so inspiring. So love you. Love you. Love all you guys. Um, also, I have to say, uh, I had so many great moments uh, just just thinking about all the people that shared and just like you. It was so moving. And uh, being an old Christian, I realized how much I need, you know, deep study in the Word, and I need, see, need to see the Word in flesh and blood being, being lived out. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Kelly at the beginning and uh, then Seth, <laughs> you know, he's crying. We're all crying up there. And then uh, Paul, uh, Lisa, and then Isis. I, I love Lisa's story. Lisa is just... She's just a force of nature, such an entertaining human being to be around. And her sharing about, you know, so unlikely to be shared with and how here's this model, you know, uh, trained and her, her life is modeling and in a world of beauty and coming into the church and seeing beauty that she had never seen before from the inside out. What a great insight. Then, of course, Isis. You love ice, and I have to confess, my favorite part was imagining her rolling up, rolling hard up on somebody to punch them in the face. I'm thinking that's got to be a small person, you know. Uh, but but just just the thought of her, um, you know, drive now she with her family, and of course those of you that are on Sharing Point, you know that her family has got to be the most uh, evangelistic family anyone's ever seen. But her kids, Allie and Liam, they're always reaching out to people. But I just thought about, I visualized her driving around the San Fernando Valley, the places where she had bad memories, praying for God, and now having something, good memories to replace those with. And it was so moving. And I was sitting there thinking, I love what we get to do. And I want, want you to think about this. Uh, we're going to look at two passages. Actually, if someone wants to uh, find, everybody should turn to John 4. We're going to look at John 4 and then um, Deuteronomy 8, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 4. If somebody wants to, uh, everybody should, uh, if somebody wants to read that, and we'll have a couple mics because I want, want uh, some of us to read the passages. 
And then the other one I, all, I want all of us to turn to is John chapter 4, uh, and we'll start in verses 27 through 37. If somebody wants to read those, we can in a minute. Um, but as I, was, as I was going through the just, just like you uh, experience, I kept think, having this recurring thought. <clears throat> Would any of those stories have turned out the way they did if some broken, problem-having, doubt-possessing, good day or bad day having person had not opened their mouth and shared the love of God. I'm moved by the stories, but in some ways, I don't want to say more moved, I'm moved in a different way by the people that I don't know that were heroic and changing, being used by God to change the course of their lives. I thought about what would Lisa's life be like now if someone hadn't intervened? What would Isis' life be like now if someone hadn't intervened? And you know, it can be a passing thought, but I really started to picture it. Who knows? You don't know. But in all likelihood, they would have stayed on the same trajectory they were on. Thank God for those that intervened. And what's interesting is some of the people that shared with some of the people that we love the most, that have changed our lives the most, hadn't even, didn't even stay faithful to God. Isn't that a trip? Isn't that wild? Doesn't it show the incredible providence of the sovereignty of God that I love you so much that I'm going to use this imperfect person and whether or not they choose me for a lifetime, I'm going to use them to influence you and I believe that you're going to choose me for a lifetime. And I, I pray to God, I so want to be that person still to this day. I'm begging God, God, please don't let me miss the opportunity to be, to intervene in someone's life the way you intervene in my life and the way you intervene in these people's lives. And as I think about coming up to Easter, I'm so proud of our church. You know, I love our church. I'm so proud of us. We have such a great opportunity now to meet, to share with, and to meet some uh, Kellys and some Seths and some Pauls and some Isises, 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 yeah, Isises and uh, some Lisas. And I want you to think for, think for a minute, just how many, how many Isises do you think are out there right now in the San Fernando Valley? A woman with so much passion and just energy and so funny and warm and such a huge, massive Grand Canyon-sized heart, but is overcome and, you know, the Satan has got his foot on their neck. And they have no hope of finding anything different without being shown away by someone else. And my prayer is that every Larry and every Isis and every Lisa and every Paul and every Seth out there now in 2018, those that we're around will open our mouths and we will give them the same opportunity that we had. We have some cool plans coming up for Easter. First of all, uh, we've got Lyft coming up this Saturday, which is, we've got Lyft coming up this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Lyft coming up this Saturday. And, uh, 
I, um, I was at rehearsal last night. It was just, I, I'm just glad that, you know, the, the age limit, the AARP limit in the band, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm, I kind of pushed up against that limit, but they let me hang out there. But uh, we're, we're doing some new songs, some, oh, incredible songs about resurrection, but I'm just sitting there listening. I'm, the the, the uh, instruments are sitting here, and we're all in Jay's garage, and the singers are here, and, you know, oh, he's beautiful. I mean, I'm just like, this is like a concert. I mean, it's just a rehearsal. It's so good. So I'm, I'm saying it's going to be a great night. People from all over L.A., all over the church are coming. The theme is going to be us talking about, obviously, the resurrection, but asking God through the Holy Spirit to move all of us so that we can reach out to his beloved that don't know that they're beloved, like David's talking about, by God over the next couple of weeks and make Easter everything that it needs to be. And then um, through the Passion Week, Trey, who you know knows some Bible, right? Trey has written some devotionals uh, that we're going to be emailing out uh, to the church um, starting on Sunday, covering the different events of the Passion Week so that we can track through what Jesus was going through and, and what the uh, gospel narratives tell us about leading up to Easter, which I think is really cool. Obviously, we've got midweek coming up after that, and then uh, Good Friday. By the way, we're, we're encouraging as many of us as possible to have uh, times either with our families or with our small groups uh, to have communion on that day, Friday, which is, which is Good Friday, right? And we know that is the actual, uh, that, that's the day where Jesus died for us. And communion is to remember, right? Do this in remembrance of me. It is a uh, remembrance of his death, uh, obviously burial and resurrection, but it, it's remembering his death specifically. So we're asking people to do that. If you're not able to, well, you know, obviously no issue, but uh, doing that just so that we're tracking through the spiritual events so that when we come in on Easter, there's that exuberant sense of, you know, like to, to the best that we can get, like when uh, Mary and these guys approach the tomb and they didn't know what in the world's going on and, and it's too hard to believe and there's just this uh, exuberance and joy that he's risen. And uh, on Easter, what I've, I, I sent out an email. I'm really, uh, I, I hope you think this is a good idea. I, I think we're probably going to do it anyway. Uh, but uh, um, I, I sent an email out and I asked how many people who are members now first came to a gathering, first came to Turning Point on Easter. And there are like 12 people that first got their first uh, taste of God reaching out to them on Easter. And uh, people like Nick and Brittany Bradford, their first uh, Sunday was in Easter. April, Oscar in April, man, I love those people. Uh, uh, Easter 2013 was their first uh, time with us. And now they're small group leaders and their, their lives have been absolutely transformed. Stephanie Herrera, her first uh, uh, East service was Easter um, with us. Let's see, Tracy, uh, Heidi Berg. Version, yeah. Her first Sunday uh, was Easter. I should have written these down. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, also uh, Azine Jarrett, formerly Azine Omidi. Did I say that right? Right. Her first gathering was an Easter gathering. It's, hearing her story is so moving because she is, she is Persian and she grew up in, in a Muslim family. And no basis in the Bible at all, but had a curiosity about Jesus and fell in love with him, and it began on Easter. Uh, so I thought, how cool would it be to have these people share their stories for us to video them so that people who come for the first time this, sun, this Easter 
can hear what God did, what he resurrected in the lives of people who were in their seat two or three or four years ago, something like that. So trying try to do something to really help connect uh, people in a different way. So uh, I think it's going to be great. I want us obviously to be praying and thinking a lot about this. But the main thing I want to say to us is I don't want us to miss the moment. Every year I know we like, man, there's a big push. Easter is the biggest you know, day of the year, I mean, for, for, for the church. It kind of is, right? And, and the probability of, of helping someone come to a, spirit, a Christian gathering is the highest on this time. Doesn't mean it can't happen other times. It's just going with the odds, going with the probability. And what I don't want is I don't want us to miss the moment. I, I, I want all of us to be sitting there, whether in, we're in kids, of course, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, we got the incredible second annual Road to Resurrection presentation for all, all the kids. All the, yes, that deserves a round of applause. Yes, thank you. All the kids, that's cool. All the kids got invitations, and the way people are finding out about it, I think it was a great idea that Sam had, is the kids have invitations, and they're inviting their friends. And we all know if your child wants to go somewhere, the parent's going to come, right? We all know that. That's, that's the reality. In fact, it was cool. Emma uh, Mascarini, uh, uh, Andrea put on, on sharing point that her, uh, her daughter invited one of her friends and that their family is coming for Easter. And it's just cool. I don't know how old. Maybe she's four or three. How? Kindergarten. So, and so she was, and it, was, it just struck me because I remember in October of 97, I remember meeting Andrea. Right, it it, uh, it it Starbucks on Melrose with Craig Albrecht in a yellow Volkswagen. You know, uh, long. So anyway, it's just it's just cool. So we have a lot of cool stuff. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity. I just want to share a couple things from these passages, and uh, then uh, have a plan for us going to our groups. Does anyone uh, want to read John four? Uh, who's got that? Darlene. Okay, Darlene. Okay. So the background. Every, does everybody know what's going on in John four? Before we, before we, uh, before Darlene reads, there's a famous character in the in the uh, gospel that Jesus interacts with. Does anyone know who it is? Samaritan woman, right? Okay, and uh, it's significant because Jews didn't associate with uh, Samaritans. Uh, Jewish men didn't really interact with women in public, and certainly certainly not with empathy, let alone Samaritan women. And Jesus, you know, shares, she wants to get water. He's like, I'm going to give you some water. You'll never be thirsty again. She's like, let me have that water. He's like, go home and do this and, you know, find out she's got a kind of a dramatic past and all that. But he interacts with her. He loves her, and, and he, he tells her stuff about her life that blows her mind. But rather than be offend, being offended, she goes away, and she goes to her, her hometown, and she tells them, hey, guys, here, you got to come find somebody. I think he's the Messiah. He told me every, I, everything I've ever done in my life. But this is a parenthetical. The, John sticks this uh, conversation in the middle of that narrative because the disciples were away when Jesus was tired from from walking at the well, but then he comes back. And so this is um, 27 through 37, darling. Thank you. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? (laughs) My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. You know, I'm sorry, read verse 38. You have such a so great watch. You could do, you could do Bible, you know, audio Bible stuff. <laughs> I feel like, oh, that feels good. (laughs) I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, man, just just imagine being in the scene. I love the fact, actually, when you study the the, the, uh, gospel accounts, so many times the disciples have no idea. They're just they're in a constant state of confusion. They don't know what Jesus is talking about, what he's doing. They just don't get them. It just makes me feel better. Uh, anyway, so, um, so here's this scene, and these guys, they're going to get food, and Jesus is hungry. I, you know, it doesn't look like he's, the, the text doesn't say that he actually drank any of the water. Maybe he's still thirsty. Who knows? I'm sure he's hungry. And they come back and like, you know, they, you're talking to a woman, what's up with that and so forth. And, hey, Rabbi, get something to eat. And then he says just out of nowhere, you know, they're just rolling up casual, have you, you know, people like that casual conversation. And then all of a sudden it's on and, and there's something really heavy that they're saying. And he's like, I have food that you know nothing about. What? I mean, just out of nowhere, just all the awkward conversations, uh, you know. So, so he says, I have food that you know uh, nothing about. And then he said, did, they wondered, did he get something to eat? And then he says, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. What an interesting statement. What a convicting statement. And, you know, I, the disciples didn't get that. They didn't get that really till after uh, Jesus rose from the dead. But that was a, a thought that I had. What, what is my general, my, my mindset generally? Is it more on my pursuits? Is it more on my problems? Or is it more on God's purpose? Like what, what, is, my, what is my food? Um, and, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I, I know for me my temptation is to feel as though whatever current problem I'm dealing with in my life, that's typically got the biggest, that's the window that's open on my desktop, right? That can have other things running in the background, but that's typically what's biggest. And I think what Jesus was teaching him them here is there's something more important than food. Yeah, you need food, and I'm glad you had food, and we do need to eat. But there's something that's bigger that's more important, and he's trying to help them focus on that. Uh, he goes on after, after uh, they have that interaction, I mean, that uh, interaction, says, don't, don't you have a saying it's still four more months until harvest? And maybe this was a proverb. Uh, it seems like there's a proverb that they talked about. Maybe it was several months. Some scholars think it was several months ahead of the spring harvest time. But whatever it was, Jesus was saying there's a normal gap between sowing and reaping. But he's saying in God's sort of economy, in God's farming, there isn't that gap. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. 
They are ripe for harvest. Now, I'm sure when he was talking to them, their eyes were open. True? So he's not talking in, in that sense. He's like, guys, my chosen ones, I know you're getting food. I know you're hungry. You have every right to be. We've been walking along. We're walking all the time. But open your eyes. Look up. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest now. And man, I don't think that way naturally or normally. I go from A to B, I have something to accomplish, and I'm ready to, to get out of there and get moving in my next thing. And I'm trying to ask God, God, help me to slow down and help me to stop for a minute and open my eyes. I did this uh, earlier today. By the way, there was some, uh, my, my fishing hole is 24-hour fitness, and uh, Kaya Day Agbalad told me that he saw me on a video, <laughs> a YouTube video. There was a, there was a hip-hop group that was shooting a video over on this court, and I was shooting half-court shots on that uh, court, so I'm in the, in the background. So I, I am not a part of whatever else is on the video. I've not seen it. I've not seen it. I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that's my main place. And, uh, you know, I, I can get into the probabilities of I don't want to reach out today because people don't typically come. So, so my outreach, my thinking about outreach goes into probabilities, likelihoods, rather than God, show me someone that you want me to love today. And today I went in and I try to practice this because I've been looking at this passage. So I'm at the, in the lobby and you got the, all the workout stuff here, the cardio machines here, and then the weights on the other side. But I just stood there for a minute and looked around. I was just like, you know, because normally I'm like, okay, I got 15 minutes. I got to get this done. I got this shooting. And I got to get home midweek, you know. Uh, but I just was looking around, you know. All these people, there are probably like 300 people there. All their stories. And I'm, I'm wondering, could there be a Kelly Lavender in here? Is that, is, that, is that so out of the realm of possibility? Could there be an Isis Kangas in here? Who has, who isn't looking for God, has no idea. But I thought about what could God do if, if, if all of us, in all of our weakness, if we had more of that perspective where it wasn't about probabilities, it was just about, God, I want to be, I want to I have my eyes open. You know, uh, Andy Stanley always talks about, God, help me to see as you see so that I will do as you say. Like he and Rick Warren are the quip masters of the universe. But just to help me to see this how you would see it, how Jesus would see it. And I think that's the opportunity before us this Easter. Um, who has Deuteronomy chapter 8? Anybody got that? Nick. Okay, another, another poet. <laughs> okay, and this is the reason I want to read this is scholars, as I was studying this, when Jesus says, I have food you know not of, um, number one, he's talking to a woman about water she doesn't know about, but food he do, they know not of. Some of them think he may be alluding to Moses talking to the Israelites. Uh, after 40 years in the desert when they're about to enter the promised land with this passage here, Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 4. 
Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So it's a cool illusion, the idea, you know, sort of reiterating the Old Testament concept that we need food to live. But, you know, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, right? I don't live by just my, fixing my problems alone. But every word that comes through the mouth, from the mouth of God. So I, I want to encourage us to have that mindset to ask, for, even, even though it may be unnatural, but ask for that mindset God, help me not to be so consumed with food. And food's a metaphor for whatever is number one, you know, the biggest open on my desktop. But help me to be moved and help me to be sustained by everything that comes, every word that comes uh, from your mouth. Sustenance and strength come from more than physical food. It comes from being in the uh, sort of the, the middle of God's will. And a couple of things I want to ask you to write down as we close. And I, I this is my opinion. Uh, I don't know who's going to come on Easter, obviously, and I'm really not about a number of people. Truth is, <laughs> you know, if it's too many people, we wouldn't know, we'd be overwhelmed anyway. Uh, I don't want, obviously, I don't want to be so few people that it's discouraging, but it's whatever, God, give us whatever number we need, whatever number we can adequately reap, give us that number. But but as, as I was thinking about it, what I want from this Easter, what I prayed about, what I, what I would love is that all of us, if, if all of us could figure out what is my best offering in this area to God in this season. And then all of us would be in there knowing I gave my best offering, God, you do with it what you want. And maybe, you know, some of us are not as winsome. I'm, I'm not one of those people. Uh, you know, Jay and I were talking with, at, at staff meetings, like neither one of us have an ounce of sanguine in us. You know, <laughs> you know if we could do some DNA, you know, we, I'm sure we would put some in there. Uh, but but you, feel, you feel like, man, I wish I was more that kind of person. I wish I was more winsome. Now, obviously, the spirit has developed some things in both of us and others through the years. But I'm okay if, I'm, if I don't have the same gifts, let's say, that Sean has. I'm okay with that. But just like with my girls, Tori and Ken, I've always wanted them to do their best. You can ask Trey. We've never checked them on a grade like you need to make this grade. Never. We've said, what's your best effort? Give your best and feel joy in honoring God and giving your best. And whatever it happens, happens. That's how I feel about how I want us to approach Easter. Mm. Now, what I don't want is us blowing another. I don't want us just blowing it off. Like, what does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't solve my problems. It doesn't help me find a job. It doesn't pay my rent. It doesn't mean that I'm going to find the love of my life or my spouse is going to straighten out or my kid or my parent are going to get in their right mind and all that. You know what I mean? It's, it really isn't about that. It's about being like Jesus and doing what he would do. How many of you don't like being rejected? Anybody not like being rejected? 
How about this? For if, if anybody really needs therapy in here, how many people enjoy rejection? No, just, uh, <laughs> I don't like rejection. But I had this thought. It is interesting that we all want to be like Jesus, and I say I, want to, I do want to be like Jesus. I really do, kind of. But when you read, and I was reading through today, the number of times it talk, the, the authors in the Gospels talk about Jesus being rejected, right? Uh, where, you know, you've got Isaiah, he's smitten, right, rejected. His first sermon after he reads the, the incredible uh, account in the, in the, uh, on the Sabbath in the synagogue, you know, I've come to preach good news to the poor, so forth and so on. He goes on, and they reject him in his hometown. Like, isn't this Joseph's son? And it says he was rejected by the chief priests and elders. It, it struck me that Jesus had a significant amount of rejection in his life. Would you say that's fair? That's yeah. fair? Okay. Um, so I thought to myself, am I willing to risk some modicum of rejection if, if it is part and parcel of me embracing the mission of being like Jesus? Asked another way, is it possible to live a rejection-less Christian life? Or is it possible for me to be like Jesus, except I don't want any betrayal, I don't want any rejection, I don't want any uh, self-denial, and, you know, it's just something to think about. And I, I thought about this. These are two statements I want to ask you to write down. I would say, first of all, that part of our healing is found in sharing. There's a certain amount of our healing that is found in community, in intimacy with God, in inner work, in recovery, in being shown unconditional love, and so forth. But there's also a part of it that is only found when we give away what we've been given. David often talks about this, David Bruce, in recovery world and specifically in AA, where you are found to be healthy, and I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, David will give the right version, but can, David, can you say it? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess it up. Um, your recovery is in jeopardy if you're not giving it away. Okay, your recovery is in jeopardy if you're not giving it away. And, and so that's just a universal human principle. Uh, you know, you could look at Philemon, and who, who knows, Koinonia, I don't know, when they, the idea of sharing your faith, what exactly it is, many different interpretations, but it means giving some, sharing and giving something, whatever it is, your hospitality, whatever it is, so that you are reminded of every good thing you have in Jesus and I have in Jesus. And I know there's a part of my heart that comes alive when I interact with someone and I attempt to give away what I've been given that nothing else animates or activates. The other thing I want to ask you to write down is part of our training is found in the sharing. And what I mean by that is to have a symmetrical Christ-likeness versus lopsided, you know what I mean? where I am embracing one part of Christ-likeness that, that 
I'm, is, you know, one muscle, one bicep is getting big in Christ-likeness, but then the other one is kind of weak because I'm not working it. Part of our training, part of us being made into more like Jesus is in the sharing. There are things that God does in us, let alone the other person, in sharing that he doesn't do anywhere else. So I want to share about a, a couple people here. There's a guy, remember when I said at the beginning of the year, God showed me one person to love, and uh, his name is uh, Gian Gilliam. He's come to tr- visit a couple times, and, but he's recently cooled off. And um, I remember, you know, we, but, but we're still interacting. It's been good for my heart to say, okay, I committed to love this person. It can't be just quid pro quo. I'm going to love you only if you, do, if you respond in a certain way. So it's been good for my heart. And uh, so we've been doing different things. But he texted me, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to make it for Easter. And I, I remember that feeling. It was just, I mean, you know, I'm a grown man. I could be his father. Life's still good. We're still, but it's still, it was just like a, it was just that disappointment. It was just, you know what I mean? It doesn't change the world. It just, ugh, it just sucks. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, ugh. Um, but I, but I had this weird feeling. I, I said, that's, I feel like that's good for me in a way. I'm not, I'm not masochistic, but I'm saying, okay, so, so will I still love, you know, when, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel the way I want it to feel. And, yeah, I'm an old Christian. And, yeah, I don't even, you, don't have, you know, at some point when you're a Christian, you can you not deal with places in your heart, right? We all know that. But I know it's good for me. Not that I'm a glutton for punishment, but I try to process it in a good way. Uh, I feel as though God encouraged me. A few days later, when there's a woman who called the turning point uh, number named Felicia, she's like, I want to find out about Easter. You know, we need, by the way, we got to get some something up on Easter, <laughs> about Easter on our, website, on our website. Thank you so much. <laughs> a shameless plug. But I said, hey, don't worry about Easter. I called her. We're on, we're on uh, every Sunday at 11. <laughs> you can set your wife We're not going anywhere. One service. But it was cool. She shared. I have never met her. Some of you may know. I can't remember her last name. But they love our church, and she, her family, she lives in Inland Empire. Her sister lives in Burbank. Mom and dad, other people, family, they live all over L.A., and they have an annual family event, which, believe it or not, is coming to Turning Point's Easter service. I, I didn't know exactly what to make of this. It sounded a little suspect, but, you know, I'll take it. Uh, I said, well... And she went on and on about how great the church is. I was like, well, do you come ever? <laughs> Non-Eastern, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of it. I said, okay, well, here's the deal. Okay, number one, I need your sister's number because we live in Burbank too. And I said, number two, you have, we have to meet you, okay? I want to take a picture with you and your family on Easter. So don't you come in here again. You love our church so much. Don't come in here again. <laughs> without being able to uh, introduce yourself. And, she, and Trey heard, right, Trey was there in the kitchen. We were talking on the phone. Just the most great, and by the way, when people call the church, it's not always sunshine and rainbows in terms of how they're feeling. So it was nice. <laughs> it was nice, the church office, church number. But it was just nice. And she was really like, we love your church. You guys have something that's really different than other churches we visited. You're doing a great job. And I'm like, we are? She's like, yeah. We, and I, I thought we were. But, you know, it's, like, it's nice to get some confirmation. Like, 
somebody likes us. It was just cool. <laughs> and so I took it as, you know, God is encouraging me. And I believe, I do believe that there are more of us out there. I just feel like, man, I want us to be in 2018 who those people were for us in 98 or talking to who, who was October 11th, 20, uh, 98. Uh, Jamal speaks. Brooke Akamesa is 98. Jamal is 98. I just want us to be those people now. And I don't want us to miss the opportunity. So I hope that you take that in the spirit that is intended. And the thing I want to ask us in our groups that I think is, is really important is I want us to take the first few minutes in our groups to write down the names of five to ten people that we either meet, feel nudged by the Spirit to invite to Easter or that we've already invited that we need to follow up on. And every day should be, who do I need to follow up on and who do I need to invite? Right now, I saw George on the uh, treadmill. He was running. I had to follow. He's already coming for Easter. I saw him on the treadmill doing his thing. I just walked by, so did a drive-by. I gave him the Easter invitation. I said, don't stop because you know how it is, those cardio people, you... You don't like, to, I mean, once you're doing your thing and then, oh, it's terrible to stop and have to start again. So I'm like, don't stop. Bam. Keep moving. Um, so I saw him yesterday and then um, Jason and Veronica and their family. Um, so those are the people that are already coming. But I've got Billy and Carl and several other people that I know that I need to invite and some road to resurrection people. So I want to ask everybody. Please do that. You're like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't like to write stuff down. You guys have seen my handwriting. I don't like to write either. I'm not, it's not good. Uh, I don't know what happened to me in third grade with the, <laughs> with the big pencil and the lines. <laughs> but I, I don't know what happened. But, but go on and write it down. You know, you can thumb it. You can thumb it in your phone or, or do the single finger uh, in your phone, whatever you do. Um, <laughs> but, but go on and write the names down. <clears throat> All of us should have some names. And then I want us to spend, like, say, take five minutes to do that. And then for the next 10 minutes, let's everyone in the groups pray for all of our people. You know, pray what Jesus said, right, in Matthew 9. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what it's about. It's his harvest. They're his beloved. We are merely to open our mouths and give what we've uh, been given. So thank you for listening. It's 831. Oh, may God bless you and keep you. Grace and peace. And here are, uh, we've got plenty of Easter uh, invitations. These should all be gone. This will be a good test to see if, this, if there's any retention in here. All these should be gone tonight. Okay, ready, break. Thank you. <laughs>